0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 46 through 55 from Luke chapter one in the New Living Translation. Mary responded, how my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he took notice of his lowly servant girl and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and all of his children. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Julie Steele. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad to be here on this fourth Sunday of Advent to celebrate with you. And today, the title of our sermon is A Time for Celebration. Before we get on with our message, I want a show of hands. How many of you put up outside Christmas lights? Oh, a lot of you do. Okay. Well, have you seen that TV show, The Great Christmas Light Fight? They go all over the country and people have millions of lights on their houses and they put them up, they spend all year. I love this show. Putting up outside lights is more important to me than putting up the inside decorations. It just isn't Christmas until that is all done. So here are a few pics of our house. I did post them on Facebook, so if you saw them, so that's one angle. Well, see, we have a reputation in our neighborhood for having the best outside lights. However, this year, our neighbors' kitty-corner to us amped up their decorations. I was not happy about this. A very ugly, competitive side came out in me. I took those added lights as a challenge to up my game. Now, I realized that this is kind of a pride issue, so you can pray for me, but it's probably not going to work, because I added a few things just so that I could have this certain level of superiority, as I'm the only one, if you notice, with a Merry Christmas sign. It's in the middle of the front porch there. You can't see it very well. Well, Merry Christmas to my neighbors, right? It is a time of celebration. This morning, we are wrapping up, no pun intended, our Advent series. The first week was a time for encouragement, and we lit the candle of hope. The second week was a time for renewal, and we lit the candle of peace. The third week, last week, was a time for justice, and we lit the candle of joy. And this morning, it's a time for celebration, and we lit the candle of love. Each week, we being Advent people have recognized that as we celebrate the first coming of Christ, the first Christmas with all the decorations and presents and activities, we are actually looking to the future as we are celebrating the second coming of Christ, when we will have lasting peace, lasting joy, and most importantly, lasting love. Mary is the perfect example of what true love looks like. Here is a picture of a Mary that I have. She uh, was a little wooden uh, figure that we found in an antique store many years ago after we first got married. And I just think she is so sweet, and she sits on our tree. And it wasn't until years later that we realized she actually, that top part comes off, and there was this really old rosary inside. It is so special. I love that one. You know, we Protestants have minimized the role of Mary, the role that she played in God's redemptive story. Yes, Mary was human. And no, I'm not saying that we pray to Mary. But the fact that God chose her To carry the Messiah, to bring him up, is more than just a little significant. I believe that Mary loved God in a way that few of us can ever come close to. And that is why God trusted her with such a weighty role. We would think that God would choose someone with high social standing, educated, accomplished, but no. He chose the opposite in order to show the reverse of the notion that God cares about worldly values. Mary displayed the unique nature of God's kingdom. She was poor, unmarried, and an outsider to the religious establishment of Jerusalem. Verses 46 to 49, excuse me, 48 says, For he took notice of his lowly servant, God looks at the heart, and what God saw in Mary was a young woman whose heart was fully devoted to him. This is a beautiful picture of Mary coming to visit Elizabeth, telling her that the angel had visited her. And Elizabeth is about six months pregnant here with John the Baptist, and this is Mary's cousin. And the section of Scripture that we are looking at this morning is commonly known as the Magnificat which is a Latin word meaning to magnify. Mary's hymn of praise is in response to her cousin Elizabeth's greeting to her in some previous verses. You see, a few days after Mary had a visit from that angel, she went to see Elizabeth, who was, again, pregnant with John the Baptist. Now, I find it really interesting that here we have Elizabeth, a woman who prayed for years to have a baby finally conceived in her old age, which was a miracle. And now we have a young, unmarried woman who certainly had not prayed to have a baby, but was given the honor of being the mother of Jesus. God has a very unique plan for each of us, and if we try to compare our circumstances with someone else's, it will never make sense. Well, Elizabeth tells Mary that she is blessed above all women, Mary magnifies the Lord, proclaiming God's greatness. She begins with God's actions in her own life for choosing her to be the mother of the Messiah. The Mighty One has done great things for her. If we could go to the next slide, Wa. Thank you. In our culture, hashtag blessed has become a common thing, hasn't it? Feeling blessed is seen regularly on Facebook, People post pictures of themselves enjoying wonderful food, being on a great vacation, having some fun event. Blessed has come to mean a life of privilege and comfort in our culture. Using this term has become a way of celebrating when everything is going great with our lives. We are so blessed. But the blessedness that Mary Celebrates here is in stark contrast to our cultures and even our own Christian way of thinking. By our standards, she is not blessed at all. Yes, she's been chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the entire world, but in practical terms, what does that really mean for her? How does it play out in her real everyday life? She's not from a wealthy family. So material possessions are certainly lacking. She's a nobody in a small village. Her friends and neighbors, they're going to see her as a disgrace because she is unmarried and pregnant. And as we heard a few weeks ago, Joseph could have even had her stoned to death for being pregnant without being married to him. Her circumstances, they don't sound very blessed to me. So how can she see herself as being blessed? She's not focused on herself, but instead she celebrates what God is doing. You see how those words are highlighted about God, not her? These verses use words that describe a revolution. They describe a reversal of the status quo. She sees the big picture that it has eternal implications. It's not really about her, but it's about what God is doing through her. She has a major role in the redemptive story, and that's the true blessing. You see, the God she celebrates is not merely uh, content with pointing people to heaven. God's redemptive work begins on earth. God fills the hungry with not only food, but with hope. Rather than being satisfied with comforting the lowly, Mary's Lord lifts them up, giving dignity and honor, a seat at the table, a voice. If we look at the next section of verses, thank you. And then the highlighted ones, thank you. At the same time, God shows strength by disrupting the world's power structures, dethroning rulers and humbling the mighty, Has all of this taken place, as Mary has said in her hymn here? Certainly not. It began with the birth of Jesus, the first time he came to earth, but it is second coming that Mary is speaking to here. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God, and as we as Christians live out those kingdom principles, it continues to spread. But when Jesus returns, that full reversal will take place. We are living, as we keep saying, in the now and not yet, just as Mary was. Her hymn is all about magnifying her Lord. I'm not seeing any focus on herself and how special she is, or how she deserved this great honor. Her response of praise displays her character and insight. We see that she's familiar with the Old Testament scriptures with her words and her celebration of God's mercy on the lowly poor and the outsider beginning in verse 51 mary moves from her own situation to god's action in the wider scope of the salvation story god's from god's relationship with her to a humble jewish woman now to god's relationship with israel and to the entire world mary is a spokesperson for israel and for our author luke whose larger theme in his gospel is reversal. But in the history of interpretation, Mary is a spokesperson also for the church because God's mercy towards a lowly woman results in the extension of God's mercy then to all of us. I am challenged and humbled by Mary's concern that extends beyond herself to her country and then to the entire world. What she gave up to be a part of God's plan for saving all of humanity is really hard for me to grasp. People she would never know, people who did not deserve it, the very people who would eventually hang her son on the cross. I don't think I could do that. I know I couldn't do that. To have that eternal perspective that Mary did requires embracing the reality that our own life is not our own. Let that sink in for a minute. As Christians, we get off track in our relationship with God when we start thinking in terms of me instead of turns of, in terms of him. We wrongly conclude that it's my life, it's my ministry, those are my talents, and that's my money to spend the way I want. Since when is this life on earth about us and fulfilling our own needs and desires? We see God as a God who grants us favors and possessions because we deserve it. We are fine with God's plan for us as long as it doesn't cost us our own dreams, our relationships. Or our me time. The God, the 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 God's, the, excuse me, the God's will is to love and bless me. Philosophy can subtly creep into our thinking if we don't realign our thinking with Scripture, like Mary did. And just so you know, it's certainly a struggle for me too. Mary was able to celebrate what God was doing because she knew her life was not her own. She was able to praise God because she was more concerned with the salvation of Israel and the entire world than herself. This verse in 1 Corinthians says it all. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Our problem lies in the fact that we forget that our lives are not our own. We were bought with a price, and we belong to God. Jeremiah knew this. He said, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Now, we all have plans, but the reality is God's plan and purpose for each of us is usually very different. I remember as a young adult, I had several plans for my life. One, I was going to be a professor at Georgetown University. I've never been there and I had no particular subject in mind. It just sounded like a really cool thing to do. Or I was going to marry a rich businessman. I did have someone in mind and throw great office parties and wear wonderful clothes. That was sort of my shallow period. Or I was going to be single and go out on the missionary field in Africa and just spend all my time working with children. Now, that would have never worked because my limited food choices would have prohibited that, I'm sure. The life I live now is not even close to any of these. I wonder what Mary thought her life would be like before that angel visited her a few days earlier. What did you think your life would be like? The gospel message is never about what I want or what I can do. The gospel message is about what Christ did for me and that I owe him my very life. It's all about being part of God's redemptive work in this world. As Mary found out, that work is not easy, convenient, or even sensible. So what motivated Mary to give up everything to follow God's plan? I think it's the strongest force that exists. Love. Her love for God and the belief that God loved her. God would not let her go into ruin. She trusts in God's promises, even though she cannot see how they could possibly be fulfilled. So what about you and me? Do our lives reflect a deep love for God that has us looking beyond our own wants and desires to a world that needs to know the Savior has come and will come again? What might the Lord be asking you to give up to fulfill a greater purpose that He has for you? Pastor Elise has been advertising for a fourth grade teacher since September. Just saying. Whatever God calls you to do, you can be assured that he will equip you no matter how unqualified you think you are. Mary knew that she was a lowly maidservant, but she also knew that her God could do anything. And how about how you define blessed? When things are going great, is that when you're feeling blessed? How can you change your definition and align it to Scripture? That's something that I'm going to be working on. I have come to learn that challenges we go through, they're not just for us, they are for other people. Many of you know that. I have been inspired by your stories and your challenges and how you have proclaimed how God has helped you through them. And I hope that other people are encouraged by mine. Humbly submitting to God reveals a heart that's learning to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we choose this path as Mary did, we will find that our response to God's requests are met with praise and celebration, no matter how inconvenient or perplexing they may be. I want to close us out with one of my devotionals. I've shared this with you before. I'm into Oswald Chambers, And my utmost for his highest. And on November 1st, his section was absolutely perfect for what we're talking about today. He titles it, Your Life is Not Your Own. There is no such thing as a private life or a place to hide in this world for a man or woman who is intimately aware of and shares in the sufferings of Jesus Christ God divides the private life of all his saints and makes it a highway for the world on one hand and for himself on the other. No human being can stand that unless he is identified with Christ. We are not sanctified for ourselves. We are called into intimacy with the gospel, and things happen that appear to have nothing to do with us. But God is getting us into fellowship with himself, Let him have his way. If you refuse, you will be of no value to God in his redemptive work in the world, but you will be a hindrance and a stumbling block. The first thing God does is to get us grounded on strong reality and truth. He does this until our cares for ourselves individually have been brought into submission to his way and his purposes for his redemption. Why shouldn't we experience heartbreak? Through those doorways, God is opening up ways of fellowship with His Son. Most of us collapse at the first grip of pain. We sit down at the door of God's purpose and enter a slow death through self pity. And all the so called Christian sympathy of others helps us to our deathbed. But God will not. He comes with a grip of the pierced hand of his son, as if to say, enter into fellowship with me, arise and shine. If God can accomplish his purposes in this world through a broken heart, then why not thank him for breaking yours? That's what Mary did. Let's pray. Holy God, help us as a church community and individually to follow your call in our lives so that hope, peace, joy, and love will overflow, even when our paths lead to places as risky, confusing, and painful as those of Mary. Thank you for her example of looking beyond her own comforts and plans so that she could be used for your eternal purposes that have blessed all of humanity. May it be for us as well. In your name we pray. Amen.